if you have students who love being in the chapel, one, but love inviting people into the chapel with them, that's then where you go from good Catholic kids to game-changing evangelization. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Bulletin, the official podcast of St. Anthony of Padua. My name is Nate Hoffman. I am the Communication and Development Coordinator here at St. Anthony. And today I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Michael Gormley. Hello. Hello. Okay. Hi. And someone else, my esteemed brother and priest, Father Drew Hoffman. What's up? Why did brother should have gone after? It should have been priest and then brother. You are a brother forever, like Melchizedek of old. That's okay. what I hear. <laughs> Thou art my brother yes. forever. You're like Joseph life, and Reuben. My and homie, all. you yeah. are my brother uh, after this life. Indeed. I think that's how it goes. What's up, Father Drew? Welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to be here. I've heard about the podcast two or three times, and so have a lot of experience <laughs> over of you guys and your, your esteemed work, and so happy mm. to join you from Wichita, Kansas, which is where I reside. Nice, nice. Wichita, the land of stewardship. Famous in the stewardship Famous world. Famous in the stewardship community. I don't know if you're making freedom. fun of us or if that's serious. Some people make fun of Wichita because they think Wichita is really, really self-important. Well, I mean, there's plenty of reasons to make fun of any place in Kansas, especially Wichita, but oh, okay. this is not one of them. No, yeah. So st- we do stewardship <laughs> well, and I will say that maybe Kansas City, Omaha, Lincoln, they make fun of Wichita. They get a little, but, yeah. But once we're down in Texas, yeah. they don't think about Wichita. <laughs> you, know? never, you have no idea how little time Texans spend thinking about the Midwest or anyone else in general. As Taylor so. Swift said, I forgot that you existed. That's the experience yeah. <laughs> of Texas. With, yeah, that's, It's, it's kind of like uh, Oklahoma. I'm from Oklahoma, and the only time Texas cares about Oklahoma is when they're playing OU. A Saturday in the fall. I mean, during yeah. the state fair. That's yeah. about it. And that's it. And then they brew their Oklahoma sucks beer, which is always humbling when I go into my H-E-B. And then you're like, oh, okay. <gasps> That's funny. Yeah, you know, we would never see a Wichita sucks beer in Texas because who would make it? Why would they do that? <laughs> More time than it's worth. More time than it's worth. So how long have you been ordained? I am coming up on my fifth year anniversary. Oh. So May 27th will be my fifth anniversary of my ordination to the priesthood. No, that's interesting because May 25th is my birthday. Uh, Let's yeah. go. So speaking of hearing about things once or twice, we've heard nothing but Mike. Mike's birthday is coming up. Mm-hmm. And by the time y'all hear this, it, he'll be 50 years old. That's incredible. 40. Oh, 40. I thought it was 50. No, you're thinking of my oldest brother, Brian, who will be 50. <laughs> the solemnity of Mike's birthday is what? It's the jubilee solemnity of the nativity of Michael Gormley. In the whole That's year. Not, yeah. Well, I mean, the whole month. I don't want to get greedy. Sure. Well, good. Yeah, five years of priest. I've been at Wichita's Cathedral my first two years as priest. Mm. K-State's Catholic Student Center, where okay. I worked with Nate, actually, for over a year for yeah. two years, and then I've been the pastor of the chaplain at Wichita State's Catholic Student Center, St. Paul, for almost a year now. So oh, it seems awesome. you've you've found your niche. You've been in college ministry for three years now. You're the pastor at this college ministry for, probably for the next few years. That's true, pastor. You're darn is that, right. Is that what it says on your <laughs> business card? Respect, put some respect on it. No, I think it probably says uh, parish administrator. No, right? pastor. Yeah. I'm showing them my business card. This is good radio. I'm showing them my business card, Father right. Drew Hoffman, right. pastor. Audio medium, that's good. Uh, no, I, I am the did. pastor. Sometimes I call myself pastor. Sometimes I call it chaplain. You call yourself that a lot? Yeah, I introduce myself every once in a while in social situations. Oh, you would think that I people love, know who you are by now. I love how you guys are bickering like brothers, and you're totally like it, it makes my heart so happy. Yeah. Right Why do you want to be a priest? 
I had the experience when I was a sophomore at KU. So this doesn't mean anything maybe to Texans, but I went to KU, was assigned to K-State, and now I'm the pastor at Wichita State. Those are the three kind of big D1 colleges in Kansas. So I've got a little everything going on. Uh, I think you're forgetting uh, a little school in Salina called Kansas Wesleyan <laughs> University. Do you have some affinity for Kansas Wesleyan? It's not a- <laughs> That's where my brother went. No, it it's not a D1. Good. That's the only reason I didn't mention. It's close. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Give or take a few Ds, yeah. yeah. I was in a Bible study, focused Bible study when I was at KU, and a seminarian for the Diocese of Lincoln visited us that day and started talking about the law of the gift, this idea that Pope St. John Paul II loved talking about, that our lives are given to us as a gift from the Lord and from the people in our lives. So our lives only make sense to the degree that we give them back as a gift to the Lord and to the other people in their lives. And that night when I heard that, I've never had this experience more intensely in my life. I knew it was true. I knew it was true in my own life when I was happiest. And I knew the happiest people in my life, that's how they lived. And I thought of my, our parents and I thought of priests in my life. And there was something in my heart that night that called for me to see if the priesthood was the way for me to give my life back to the Lord and to other people in an intense way. So that's what got the ball rolling. A lot of things along the way affirmed that. But that's where the Lord created me to give my life away. That's awesome. Yeah. Gaudium et spes 22. Man can only find himself through a sincere gift of himself. Became one of the one of the major anthems of the JP2 papacy, which was just incredible. I would never get a tattoo, but if I did, it would say GS22. Yeah. Are you a big fan of Dr. Larry Chap, who maintains the blog, Gaudium et spes 22.com? I have never heard that. I do not know who that is. <laughs> who, who maintains blogs these days? Yeah. Uh, well, this is the funniest Dr. thing. Larry, Dr. Larry Chap. He did it after he retired from uh, DeSales University as a theology professor for like 25 years. He retires. His wife is like, quit nagging me with all this stuff. Just start a blog. So he does. And it's gotten tons of publicity and stuff. And now Dang. he does podcast and he came on the old uh, catching foxes That's oh really awesome. okay cool yeah, yeah. our dad well, just retired he might start a blog <laughs> gaudium oh it's 44 it's Please. twice as good as 22. we spent about an hour and a half talking about different retirement principles you know iras 401 that type of thing on the way back to oklahoma city yeah uh, two days that ago, and lawn so. care would be a lot of the things oh my gosh. What does he do with St. Augustine? Like, mine just isn't going. It's just not. Anywho, that's not what this show's about. <laughs> well, no, what I love about Drew's, um, Father Drew's, excuse me. Yes, uh, come on. Discernment story is that it, it comes out of the Diocese of Wichita. We were teasing Wichita because we always talk about that stewardship yeah. mentality. But it is true that a guy like Father Drew and myself, we came out of these dioceses where giving is uh, ingrained in us as as school kids, where we're going to school. We, we hear time after time that we're going because of the generosity of the entire parish. And, you know, gift is all around us. And lo and behold, Father Drew and a lot of his contemporaries, I mean, you were ordained with how many other guys? There were 10 guys in my ordination class and 10 in the class after me. Yeah. Wow. So there was there was something in the water. At that time. We'll ordain Man. three. I don't know when this is coming out, but we'll ordain three on Saturday, May 28th. Any of them from your ministry and uh, college campuses? I'm trying to think. One of them went to KU with me, actually. Deacon Ty, who ended up finishing, taking some time. So he went, went to KU with me. But the other two joined straight out of high school. That's awesome. One of them was a senior when I was at his school for um, Totus Tuus, which is like vacation Bible school. I was his teacher. I love Totus Tuus. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I can take full credit for it. Yeah, you probably do. Which one, Tolbert? Tolbert, oh yeah. I love Totus Tuus. Kansas-based. 
Right? Wichita oh, based. Wait, Come on. Wichita, Wichita based? It came from Wichita? Oh, I thought it came from Topeka. Yeah, fair enough. It shows enough, you've but... never been to Topeka. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I've been through it. Yeah. Well, I had my eyes closed. I was driving. It was a harrowing experience. Yeah, right, right. But uh, right. the, um, no, but Totus Tuas came to my church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And then they went to my neighboring church that all my friends went to in Broken Arrow and uh, St. Anne's and St. Benedict's. And they did uh, an amazing presentation. So I went and participated as a high school student at night. I helped out with the little kids during the day, and then I did it all over again at the next And they asked me, they said, Mike, you know a lot about the faith. Would you ever want to teach? So I taught a middle school thing on the resurrection. Oh, no way. Yeah, they let me They let me give a talk. It, that was what the class was on. So I went and grabbed my mom's Catechism of St. Thomas Aquinas, and I looked up the resurrection, and I spent four days preparing this one talk. And then the night before, my friends convinced me to shave my head in a reverse mohawk. Yeah, as one oh, does. Remember wow. the, you remember the band Prodigy, where it shaved down the middle with spikes on the sides? I had that for like a week. And, uh, and you gave the talk with that. Gave the talk haircut. with that. Yeah, led the whole class all day long. This is the legacy of Totus Tuus. <laughs> this is it. And now I have three podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite joke about Totus Tuus is, is you hear this from, from older men when they give the talk. Totus Tuus is coming to the you know parish this week. And you go out to the parish lobby, and they'll go, golly, we've been hearing about Totus Tuus for a long time. When are they going to have Totus Threeus? And then he'll <laughs> laugh real hard, and, and then you'll laugh to get him to go away. But uh, And now I'm at the age where I'm going to start You're going to use that joke for sure. For sure. So, Drewby is, uh, like he said, pastor at Wichita State's Newman Center. For two years, you were the chaplain or the associate pastor at Kansas State's Newman Center. And I, I won't say many nice things about Father Drew, but he is very good at college ministry. He's a stud at it. He's, he's well-loved by the students. Um, so, Drew, what's the secret? A, a few weeks ago, someone texted us. I think they were in Focus Ministries or something, and, they, and they, the question came up, like, what makes a good college ministry? And I remember we were all pitching some things. What does make a good college ministry, and, and what makes, um, I don't know, a, a robust student center? Yeah, a few things come to mind. I have Cherry Sours always on, on like, available, and I have gummy fruit gummies always available. That helps. Yeah. That gets Eat, people like in. Like vitamins, but in, in the a fruit certain sense, form. but they're just fruit gummies, so I'll toss them around a lot. <laughs> That's another thing, Drew, and I, I wonder if it's just because it was just you and me who like Cherry Sours, but so when I tell people Cherry Sours are one of my favorite candies, they have no idea what I've, I'm talking about. I have They've literally never even no seen the product before. It, uh, it's weird. Did I tell you what happened at a wedding I did the other day? I don't think I did that. I did a wedding. It was a wedding of both were in second marriages. Spouses had passed away. They were getting married in their fifties or so. And so they wanted a real small thing, uh, to, to, uh, get married within the Catholic church. And then, uh, they didn't want gifts. They were, they were kind of like middle-aged, really good Catholic people who didn't want gifts. So I didn't know this, but in their invitations they sent out, they said, our priest is obsessed with cherry sours. Instead of a gift, please bring a bag of cherry sours. So <laughs> when I go out to process in for this wedding, there is a massive bucket of cherry sours awaiting me. And I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was going on throughout the whole ceremony. And then they explained it to me afterward. So I love cherry That's sours. So funny. My favorite candy. A few things that come to my mind when I'm when I'm talking about campus ministry, the basics are the basics of the importance of the liturgy, the importance of prayer, the importance of regular access to the sacraments, those things like that. So I don't want to take those for granted and gloss over them, but those are those always have to be to be uh, in place. And so I think particularly of importance in college ministry, I always tell people 
People just want someone to give a darn about them. That's like a deep desire that seems so obvious, but does anybody care about me? And so often when people fall away from the Catholic Church, it it isn't with dogma or doctrine or a moral teaching, although sometimes it is, absolutely sometimes it is, but often it's just no one really cared about me that much in the in the Catholic Church, yeah. and I've had maybe hard experiences with my family and things like that. And so that's why I'm such a big proponent of focus ministries. I don't know how much you guys have talked about with focus on here, but I am a big supporter of of focus because those are full-time missionaries whose job is to be friends with college-age kids and to show them that somebody actually cares about them. And so for me, my whole life is dedicated to showing these college kids that I care about them, and hopefully they get a glimpse that the Lord cares about them through that. And so everything from being there when they call a text, I mean, that was a student who called me, wanted me to come over for their grandpa. Uh, I... It, students can always contact me. They can always reach out to me, going to their games, going to their intramural things, going to their graduations and stuff like that. And then the more serious conversations, availability for spiritual direction, stuff like that. So just being there for them to give a darn about them, I think starts opening doors, I think is really important. How is it not like youth ministry? That's a great question. I think that the availability is just totally different. It's just totally different when you, when you get out of high school in the sense of you still have proper boundaries and appropriate relationships and all of that. But it does, there's just something that changes so intensely from high school ministry. You hang out with high schoolers once a week on high school night or a couple times or whatever the case might be with college kids. You live life with them. Yeah. So you live full week with them. I'll see them every day for extended periods of time. And that's everything from meals and going out in the evenings to playing volleyball and just hanging out in the cafeteria and them hanging out in the basement and things like that. So you're with them way more and you live life with them in a much different way than you would live life with a, a middle schooler or a high schooler, of course, for a variety of reasons. Yeah, that was my experience at St. Isidore's where Drew, uh, Father Drew worked for two years. That's I went to college there uh, at Kansas State, uh, spent four and a half years at that Newman Center. Uh, we did not have focus missionaries or we didn't really even have a uh, pastor. Uh, he was available, but it, it was seemed like it was shifting from one mindset to another, uh, from, from early in my college career, we had one priest who was very much, uh, treated it like a, like a parish or something, or we had to show up to go to the sacraments and that kind of thing. If you want to go to a retreat, you got to, you know, sign up and think of that yourself too. By the end of my time there, we were spending a lot of time with the pastor. The next year they got these focused missionaries who came in and like Drew said, they, they literally are just friends with, with kids. That's how they minister to people. Did you have focus at what college did you go to? I went to the Franciscan University of Steubenville in Steubenville, Ohio. Is that a Catholic school? <laughs> it, <it's> <laughs> I've never known. heard of it in the Catholic world before. Yeah, it never it's comes been, up. It, it's uh, relatively Catholic. Yeah, it's relatively, like, yeah, like it's like super Catholic. No focus missionaries, <laughs> though. They actually got focus missionaries a few years ago. The reality is, you have to admit that not every, not every person there wants to be there. Some of their parents send them there because they think. Just being on campus will convert them. Yep. Being in the presence of Scott Hahn. Scott Hahn used these paper towels. <laughs> and I bet that worked once. You know, yeah. Scott Hahn does have that type of presence. He does. He does. But So you have kids that are on the outside looking in, but you also have kids whose faith is entirely cerebral, and they need to have uh, an interior conversion of and a moral conversion. There were so many people who could spit out to you the, the canons of the Council of Chalcedon, but... They knew nothing of prayer, the moral life. 
And that's the danger of a place like Franciscan where it is so intensely Catholic that it's in the air you breathe, which is good if your hearts are converted, right? And if they're not, it becomes a convenient, um, it becomes a very easy way to hide from God because it has all the trappings of fidelity without actually being faithful unless you, you know, acquiesce to it. So the the role of missionaries is kind of like similar to the St. Anne's, uh, or not St. Anne's, what's it called? St. Mary's in College Station. It's this huge, thriving student campus ministry thing, but they brought in focus missionaries, and the, the guy that brought them on said, I know I can't reach everyone, and I know that the people I need to reach are falling through the cracks that these people would. And sure enough, on day one, they go right, uh, and one of our kids from our church, um, from my, my parish, was a focus missionary there. Uh, Meredith and they went into an LGBT meeting and they just walked up to the people there and was like, "Hey, you know, you was like, oh, are you a gay student? You know, come to this thing and we'll talk about what's available." And they went to that and they said, "Hey, listen, you know, we're we're focused. We represent the Catholic Church. Uh, if any of you have ever felt attacked or alienated, or if you yourself are Catholic, uh, we would love to stay afterwards and talk to you and invite you to a Bible study." And she said that the the level of conversations that the focus missionaries had there were off the charts. Because they felt ignored, ghosted, or attacked. And all of a sudden now, they felt welcomed. And it was just a game changer. And, you know, you get the big, goofy, you know, 40-year-old, gross, old, 40-year-old guy coming to their thing. It's not going to resonate at the same way that it would with a 22-year-old who can identify with them. So I had heard of a, a campus that was bringing in focus for the first time. And some of their Catholic students were a little annoyed by it. Aren't we doing a good enough job? Like, we've got things under control. Isn't it going well? And a priest told him, do you think there's one kid on this campus that isn't going to a Sunday Mass that usually would should be going to Sunday Mass? I'm like, well, duh. Then what are we talking about here? What are we arguing about here? Why would we not bring in reinforcements for if we're admitting that yeah. there's people falling through the cracks? And there's more than people falling through the cracks. They're falling through massive grates. And so yeah. I, I love the work of, of Focus, and I'm really passionate about campus ministry in general. It's a deep love of, of my heart. I think another thing you mentioned with, with campus ministry I think it's important that, I mean, I express this in a lot of places. Other people are not having fun. Other people are not happy. They, our campuses, I, I tell people all the time, Philip Neary, when he started his ministry in Rome, the two words that were used to describe Rome were sad and secular. It was right after the Holy Roman Empire had sacked Rome, and so it was this embarrassment. Catholics had sacked Catholics. What is the point of Catholic Church? People are sad. They don't have a lot of resources, things like that. And that's what a college campus is, sad and secular. It's not like it's become more secularized and people are way happier. It's become more secularized secularized, and people are miserable. And Mm. I share this story often on Ash Wednesday last year, two years ago when I was at K-State. Father Gale and I heard 14 hours of confessions on Ash Wednesday combined. And everyone who had not been to confession in a year plus, it was exactly the same, exactly the same. Father, I haven't been to confession in X number of time, a long time. I've been not going to church. I've been drinking a lot. I've been messing around with girlfriend or people I barely know, stuff like that. And you'll never believe this, but I am miserable. It's like everyone else in my life is so happy, but I am miserable. And you know what the next person in line was going to say? The same thing. And then the next person, the same thing. And I always tell this to people. I was like, I'm the only person on this campus who hears how miserable everybody is. And I think that's a, a really deep truth that if you can speak into, you could be happier. On this college yeah, campus, yeah. you could be. I promise it's available. And so for students to show other students real happiness, they don't, they've never seen that before. And that's electric, and that's energizing. 
Yeah, and that, that is one thing that focus brings is, is true happiness. There's all kinds of studies right now, uh, last few months, about the depression among teens, and I assume that spills over into college-age students. And Father Drew, you're, you see this, you just spoke to that. Um, and they, they a lot of these secular articles will offer fixes and you know, things that they can change and things like that, but not a lot of talk about a relationship with Jesus or... or uh, straightening out your morals or anything like that. It was a lot of... Like, go for a media. walk or something like that. Is, go outside, exercise, you know, yeah. yeah get, get out of here. But I, I could use it, some exercise, though. I didn't want to say it, but yeah, you could. I got I settled down. I'm nesting. <laughs> Jeez, I don't like that. I, Drew, I, I like to tell everyone on this podcast that I got married uh, last year. I was there. So you actually talked about the law of the gift and the homily. Oh. There, there might as well have been a betting sheet on like what, I wonder if Father Drew is going to talk about law of the gift. It's funny that you said there might as well have been a betting sheet. You said betting, but you said betting. Betting sheet. So your homily, I was there for that. It's awesome when the TOB makes, uh, you know, moonwalks into a homily, right? The good old uh, law of the gift. Right. The um, w- what do you see when you're giving homilies for these young folk who know nothing about life or marriage like Nate, like old Nate over here? Uh, gosh, what he knows about marriage uh, could fill a thimble. You ever seen a thimble, Nate? They're very small. Um, what, <laughs> what 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 advice do you give? What do you what, what how do you help out? How do you actually prep? As a celibate man yourself, uh, married couples, I tell you what, I honestly it's it can be difficult to yeah. to prep. Thank you for admitting that. It can be difficult. You know what's especially difficult? I, I'm experiencing. I know this is going to sound dumb. When you have couples that that are not close to the faith, you have couples that are not lunar right. They want to get married to the Catholic Church, but they aren't really practicing. That's actually much easier marriage prep than couples oh, who are yeah. strong practicing Catholics. Oh because really? I, that's my experience. Because okay. the, the the couples that are strong practicing Catholics. Without admitting it, they think they know what's going on. Like they think oh, yeah. they know within their own Catholic realm. Yeah, this is what we need to be doing. This is in these in these virtue areas stuff like that, and they appear to have it kind of together, even in the cap. Not only just socially, but but Catholic realm as well. So sometimes it can be tough to speak into that because there seems to be this experience. Yeah, we've got it. We know. Yeah, we know. We need to pray. We're going to have an intense prayer life together. This is a prayer we're going to be doing together. We know about sacrifice. We know about the sacramental character of, of that a sacramental aspect of marriage and things like that. So it can be even tougher when people, when couples are, are strong practicing Catholics. And so just getting them talking, that's the best thing that you can do is get them talking and be just this mirror that provides them an avenue to maybe discuss a few things they haven't discussed before, because I, I, think- I do have some thoughts and I do have the wisdom of the church and the wisdom of my experience of five years of the priesthood. But them talking and saying some things out loud is a, a way better marriage prep than than me giving them some some tips and tricks. Is this the case that a couple who does have it more put together often just needs prodding because they they kind of know what the problem is going to be, but they're maybe unwilling to look at it or talk about it. That's probably true, and maybe that's why marriage prep, and that's why I'm saying getting them talking about things, trying to bring some things out into the open. Whereas couples who even on a moral standpoint maybe aren't aren't living up to the standard and things like that, you can bring those things up. But you need some more conversation to the spirit to, to move some things sometimes in a different context. It, it's, it's different. We do a lot of marriage prep being a college campus. Yeah. And I'm learning still. Five years in the priesthood, that's something I'm really still learning, like how to do marriage yeah. prep. Yeah. Yeah, I find that the Franciscan University was the same. I'm going to keep talking about it. You Did guys, you go to Franciscan, Franciscan University? University where? In Steubenville, Ohio. 
Atchison? Near, a it's, it's near Atchison. Near Atchison, It's a near there. An accredited but, university. <laughs> Online degrees available. I hear. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, no, but that this your experience here is the same as their experience there. That there's so many kids. I mean, they were walking out with theology degrees, myself included, who because we knew love and responsibility of theology of the body, we thought that that meant that we knew what marriage was going to be. And we had a leg up on everyone else. But what we didn't realize was marriage is actually formed not by theological concepts, uh, but by actually loving an actual human person. And that is very difficult. It is very, very difficult, especially when they're down and you're up or you're down and they're up and, and you don't know how to negotiate life with this other person who is just in a different place. And it becomes just because you're theological um, – views align strongly doesn't mean that you then have the skills to to crush marriage or whatever it might be so um i had to learn learn the hard way of of learning how to communicate honestly and and effectively the worst time i ever communicated with my wife is when i told her with the amount of student loan debt you brought into our marriage it's a wonder you're not a doctor <laughs> oh, <gosh>. <laughs> 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 that did not go well. It was the worst thing. <laughs> I thought I, w I was trying to be funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to alleviate. See, that sounded like really like horrible, and it was horrible. A little joke, yeah. Yeah, but it was supposed to be a little joke to lighten the mood. Don't you get it, Shannon? <laughs> You're the anchor that is driving <laughs> to the bottom of the ocean. But I'd like to announce today on the show live, uh, me and Shannon are now debt-free. Yeah, as of hey! like two days ago, right? As of two days ago. That's oh, it's huge. Oh. I can speak to two things. I've been married... I think I mentioned on this podcast I was married. Oh, uh, cool. When did you get married? A couple months ago. Uh, oh. No idea. But uh, long okay. enough to be an expert in the okay. field. Okay. So two things. One, and it, she's always there. Always. We live in the same house. Yeah. We share a room. There's no hiding. <laughs> so that's when you speak, talk about like loving an actual person. There's no break from that. There's no like time where you can be, you can turn off or, or you can do something else. Like I, I realized this when I think I was scratching my butt one night and she was like, could you do that somewhere else? And I'm like, can you be somewhere else? I'm just trying to live my life here. And uh, no, she, you're, you're always together. And I think that's one thing that it's, it's a shock, especially if you do not live together before marriage, you, you just, one day you're, 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 the, you're there together forever and you you have to look at each other and love each other every day and i think the other thing is you mentioned it mike when you're up and they're down or they're down and you're up or maybe i just said the same thing that's difficult when you're dating or engaged to somebody often you get a lot from that you get uh you know social interaction you get yeah. uh, they're they're wanting they're being um you know presenting to you they're trying to sell yourself in some ways in dating and then in engagement you're like you're excited because it's all new and stuff but Sometimes, sometimes you don't get anything from marriage. You, you, you like, you know, you receive nothing, but you, you don't love what the person gives you. And that's a lesson I've learned. You don't love what you get from a relationship. You love the person. So even in those times where, you know, she's sick or more often I'm sick, she has to care for me. You have the man flu. Can you, can you bring me some lemonade? Mm. Well, it's the law of the gift, just like you said. Right. So you, you. You have to love the person regardless of what, what you're getting from them. Does that make sense? Makes perfect Seems sense. You guys are professionals. At loving? At marriage? Should we write a book? Don't. Should we start a podcast? Don't. 
What else do you focus on? Obviously marriage and preparing couples for marriage. Y'all do a lot of RCIA or you're not really converting people there on campus because everyone in Kansas is already old. Everyone in Catholic in Kansas is already Catholic. That's what I And thought. everyone in Catholic is already Kansas, as I started to say. <laughs> of course, plenty of RCIA, plenty of liturgical formation, prayer formation. That's something I really admire from so many of our students is their passion and their dedication to their daily prayer and their invitation to daily prayer. That's one of my favorite, absolute favorite things in the world is I'll walk into the chapel all the time and students are praying with other students and students will pray, pray praying with their friends, but then also with students that they've invited. So somebody in their fraternity or their sorority that of course they're friends with, but one of them would not be there without the other person in that moment. And so forming people to spend time with the Lord is a, that's a contagious experience. And that is what we've found at K-State and at Wichita State to be the most transformative. If you have students who love being in the chapel, one, but love inviting people into the chapel with them, that's then where you go from good Catholic kids to game-changing evangelization. How do you help them do that? You have people that, that are inviting them. So that's where, I, again, I don't want to keep talking about focus because it doesn't need focus. It can just be anybody. They need to have people who are forming them in prayer. So, so that's one of my main jobs and one of the missionaries and our campus ministers' main jobs is our student leaders, our small group of student leaders, forming them in prayer and allowing them to be able to name how prayer has improved their life, how prayer makes their life better. Not in a, this is what I get from prayer, but it does change my life. And if prayer is not changing your life in one way or another during consolation or desolation, then I got to be asking some questions. Mm-hmm. Once I can express that, and once I have people who are forming me in that, then I'm in a space to form another. And then eventually they're in a space to form another. So making sure your leaders are really well supported in prayer and they're well supported in formation, that's a, a key point. So the focusing, particularly investing in a smaller group of students, is, is a vital than kind of big activities, large, huge group things, which we do plenty of that, parties and events and stuff like that. But investing myself, my missionaries, campus ministry leaders, investing in those small group of, of students with the intention of them doing the same thing is, is game-changing stuff. I do think that's one area where our, us as a parish, and probably all parishes can learn from college ministries, that spirit of invitation. You know, uh, come to this thing with me. In college, it was rampant. You had time for it. There was things going on. But you, but especially in, in these types of campuses where people are praying together or you're going to daily mass together, you're bringing a buddy along or your coach to do that. Um, and I, I think we can learn from that as a parish, um, you know, especially if you're involved in, uh, you know, name a ministry acts or that man is you or, um, or maybe you're just a regular daily mass goer. Bring someone along. You're, you're welcome to invite somebody else that, and you don't need to wait for, um, you know, the parish itself or the leader of the ministry to come along. Even if you're just one of the underlings, one of the men, the aforementioned men, and that man is you. Bring somebody, you know, uh, be a, have a spirit of invitation um, with all things uh, and, and be, the, be the one to, to do the outreach. Let's talk about last weekend. Oh, we had a shared experience. Uh, we oh, went here to, we go. We went to Oklahoma. You went to my hometown. We did. Well, yeah, we went to Tulsa. You're from Tulsa. Tulsa. I was born in Tulsa. Born in Tulsa. We actually saw that monument, uh, the Michael good, Gormley. Good, the brass one or the stone one? It was in uh, dog poop on the ground. Uh, <laughs> would you rather actually, Would the, you rather have a bust made of you or a statue? Uh, statue for me. 
bust so it can be kept in a library. Yeah, that's that's the argument for the bust is that it's kept inside in some hallowed place with a light on it. But well, we saw a statue of Barry Sanders outside of uh, Oklahoma State's football. Yeah, it was, that was fine. awesome. No, it was awesome. It was fine. It didn't look anything like Barry Sanders, but the <laughs> but the action pose. I mean, it was cool. It's like that's that bust that someone made of Ronaldo. Ronaldo doesn't look player. anything like him. <laughs> it looks like a nightmare. Is what it looks like. So you guys went to Tulsa. What'd you do in Tulsa? We watched the PGA Championship, baby, Saturday. You guys big golf nerds? We're big golf nerds. Yeah, we like golf a lot. Nate was all-city, like first-team all-city golf in high school. Oh, thanks for bringing Yay. that up, Drew. Wow. And that was the best I'll ever be at golf. Yeah, that's probably true. I, it is kind of sad to think. I played uh, played last week and did not, did not do well. I don't play as much as you anymore, so Father Drew did not play in high school, barely in college, but ever since he became a priest, he got really dang good at golf. Mm. There's a story that Cardinal George, Archbishop of Chicago, at one point said, the biggest problem with my young priests is that they don't play enough golf. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but I quote it a lot. It's a true, it's a true thing. It's I a think his problem. idea was that my young priests don't hang out with each other they're enough, and they don't hang yeah. out with other people. They're not chill. They're not hanging enough. Mm. If that's a true sentence, that's what makes sense. Because that's who I usually play golf with, almost always with other priests. Yeah, on your day off. That's where. Um, well, anyway, it was it was the Saturday PGA Championship. We uh, we went with our dad. We have the same dad. Shared father, um, Mark Hoffman. It was awesome. Shared mother as well. Uh, shared mother as well. Um, so, Mike, you know nothing about golf, I assume. Looks like you... I have played I have played twice in my life. Uh, my buddy, we were playing at the Herman Memorial Golf Course down at Herman Park. And uh, my buddy knocked out a window in a school bus because a bunch of the kids were... The buses were parked alongside the course uh, to go to the zoo. And so uh, that, that was pretty much my main experience. That's cool. That's that, a good experience. That was a good experience. I had a great time. That's cool that so, Houston named a park after Tom Herman after he coached at Houston University of Houston and at University cool. of Texas. That is that was cool of them. Uh, sure. Listen, sports <laughs> references are going to fly over both of our heads there. A little sports joke there. So we went to this golf. Tr- we went to this golf tournament, high level golf tournament. We love golf. Our dad came with us, and it was awesome. We saw Tiger Woods. I don't know. We saw Tiger Woods. I don't know your relationship with Tiger Woods. Gormley, but we're close friends. He's my, we haven't he's talked like the reason. Yeah, but close. sure. He's been busy. He's the reason Nate and I love golf largely. He mm. was this larger than life character and we were very close to him. Drew and I spent all of our childhood uh, playing golf in our backyard, knocking the old stick around with, uh, with plastic balls. And we had a little nine Hoffman Hills. We called it. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah. We played a ton of that. And then we played a lot of Tiger Woods uh, on PlayStation two. Um, I think it was 2005, Tiger Woods 2005. We played a ton of that game. I'll never forget us playing. And our dad came down, not a video gamer. Wait, how old were you? How old were you? I was probably 10. I don't know. Okay, I was already graduated from Franciscan. Where? Which is a college? Catholic college. Do they have Do they have golf? They do now. Oh, they do not. They brought it with focus. Do they have they any, brought it? Same do they time. have sports at Steubenville? Yes, they have sports at Steubenville. Not just but like actually, you know, a basketball they, court. Do they yeah, have actual they say teams? That because when I was there, they expressly did not have for 35 years NCAA sports. They only had intramurals and club oh. because they did. Father Michael Scanlon refused to have any bandit because he did not want a culture of spectatorship at the school. So everyone, you know, there's different rankings of intramural sports. So everyone who was anyone uh, played intramurals you always oh, are you on the, and it was it was football flag football 
Oh uh, gosh, I'm gonna forget all of them. But uh, frisbee, yeah, frisbee, that's a big one. Yeah, and then hacky sack, the volleyball, like, and basketball. There it sounds is. Sounds like John Senior or something. It was awesome. How dare you? And uh, but now they have NCAA sports there. So anyway, I'm ten years old. I'm playing golf. I can't remember if Drew's there too. But my dad comes downstairs, and he's just like, "Ah, what's this?" And I say, "It's a golf video game, Dad." He's like, are you controlling? He's not. All right. He knew what it was. But he, he takes the controller. He hits he hits the shot. It's a par three. Knocks in a hole in one. First try. First shot he'd ever touched the controller. I thought my dad was a video game god at that time. It was unbelievable. <laughs> so uh, we played. We, we grew up watching Tiger Woods playing golf because he was awesome growing yeah. up. And he's the reason we got into golf. And then obviously, if you've ever heard about Tiger Woods, you've probably heard that he had a falling out. He had some issues. Um and that was what ten years ago, yeah, two thousand nine maybe. So two thousand nine, and then it's been like a much publicized return to grace in some senses, where he's he's gone to figure out his problems. He's you know apologized for what he did. Not great, no, not a great look. But from my understanding, he's he's been dating. He has relationships with women. He has a relationship with his kids. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get into the personal life of Tiger Woods. The point <laughs> we're is, not defending oh, I Tiger Woods. The point we're not that. defending Tiger Woods here. I I'm no. I'm I'm sort of. Def- I'm not defending what he did, obviously, but I'm defending his return. Like, why should he? He he said he was sorry, and he he. For all we know, he is sorry, hmm. and he's trying to change his life, and he has a relationship with his kids. Anyway, he's playing golf again. Terrible, terrible time in Tulsa. No, 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 no. A great time in Tulsa because he made the cut. Oh, did he? He made the cut. No, we were not going to see him until Saturday. So he had to, there's two days of a golf tournament and the top, you know, 50 or 60 make the cut to play the weekend. And if you play terribly, you don't get to be there on Saturday. And if he had played terribly, we would not have seen him. But he birdies one of the last two holes on Friday. He makes this at the weekend. So we get to watch him tee off. We get to follow him for a few holes. We get to watch him hook it left into our area of the stands, and we all sprinted around to be around the ball. We got to watch Tiger Woods ask us to move and punch a ball out low under some trees, put a little bit of hook on it so it goes left. Perfect shot (laughs) up the middle of the fairway. It was awesome. We saw a hero of ours. It was so cool. To see him in person was amazing. Yeah, it was like a hyperventilating experience, an all-time experience. But I really, this is what I preached about this weekend, is that one of the things that stood out for me at this golf tournament is these are professional golfers, and they hit a lot of bad shots, and they missed a lot of putts, and uh, the wind messed with their ball, and the course was hard. And throughout that experience, they've always got to like lock in at one point. What happens when I, things go wrong when I golf? It usually ruins my whole round because I expect that I'm going to have a perfect round of golf, and that's an absurd expectation mm-hmm. because there are things out of my control. There are things in my control that I just mess up. And where these golfers really are magnificent is their ability to, after something goes wrong, kind of lock back in, focus their mind, and approach the next and I think there are a lot of Christian parallels to that. How often I expect my day to go perfectly, my life to go perfectly, and things that are my fault, the things that sin have brought into my life, mess that up. But things that are out of my control, mess that up. The difficulties of life, other outside factors. 
and and a prayer life, and particularly daily mass is one of the things I, I preach about is daily mass and the rosary, provide an opportunity instead of being bowled over and knocked over by bad shots and things going wrong, an opportunity for a firm foundation, for resetting, for direction that allows us not to not to worry about a perfect round of golf or a perfect day, but that the Lord's got my back, the Lord's supporting me, and the Lord's giving me peace, not as the world gives, that he gives real peace. He gives the apostles peace and then sends them out to get martyred. He's talking about peace and he's going to be crucified the next day. So the expectation is not that things go quote unquote well, but the expectation is confidence in the Lord. And yeah, it was just, it was cool to watch. It was cool to watch these awesome golfers actually really struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Ha ha, you suck just like I do. Yeah. Nate sent this video to my little text message group. And it was of Tiger Woods doing that shot, and it was awesome. But one of the things stood out to me was the <laughs> the funniness of this famous picture of all these millennials in front of Pope Francis, and they're all recording Pope Francis as he comes by in his Pope mobile. And there's one older woman, and she's just sitting there leaning up against a little grate along the side of the road, and she's just smiling, and she's totally in the moment. And it was funny because that video, you see all the people yeah. with their phones and people like two, three rows. I mean, they're like stretching and they're probably getting the worst camera angle possible, but they're trying their darndest to get that that image. And I just thought like, you know, it, it's amazing because it is a piece of history for y'all. You want to capture it. You want to remember it. But it's like who was truly present in that moment versus who was documenting it. I'm sure you guys were present in the moment, but uh, Tiger Woods was definitely present in that moment. And I would have been out of my mind because of all those cameras that they were pointed at me. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Like, so you look at the the video that I sent you and, and drew Drew's memory of this. It was like, we weren't there. You know, he asked us to move, but then as soon as he decided the shot he was going to hit, it was like no one else in the crowd was there he, before the shot. Anyway, he, we all had disappeared. And the only thing in the world that existed was, the, sh- the ball, the the club, and his angle out of the trees. And then as soon as he hit it, he, he might have nodded to the crowd. But then he started thinking about the next shot. Mm-hmm. It was the, the fortress of the the mind that he that these golfers all have. And and I really think that anyone who is that skilled at a at a craft, I mean you can apply this to, to almost anyone. I would assume that a a teacher who who is crafting a lesson plan feels the same way when they're when they're doing that work. Or anyone who is superbly talented at their thing that they can enter into their craft and and make everything else disappear. And we 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 did see that in person, and we did have our phones out so we can look at it. And over, I've sent it to fifty people. But that, that's the thing. Like I guess I always thought it's it's an easy thing to be like millennials with their phones. I'm so happy we have that video. I'm yeah. so happy we have that video. And all those people are going to be so psyched that they have that video of of Tiger Woods. It's like, could I have been more present in the moment? There's absolutely an element of that with with phones and things like that. But everyone who took that video is glad that they have that video of mm-hmm. Tiger Woods to remind them. And if they had not had the video, it would have been fine. But it's not. I don't think their life would have been demonstrably better because they didn't have their phone out in that particular moment when the most famous human being in the world in 2005 walked yeah. in front of them. Mike is famously Gen... What are you, Gen X or Boomer, or technically? Because you're almost 50. Is that He's what you say? He's saying kids! 
you know, with their phones, with their... You know, I just... <laughs> I'm wondering how I became the old man. Yeah, <laughs> that is funny. And when then I realized... The <laughs> and then I realized it's because everyone is getting younger and I keep getting older. This is awful. We got to stop hiring young professionals. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, but I will say this. I will say this. You're both wrong. You would have had a much better experience if you just paid attention. <laughs> Instead, uh, you were like, oh, the white. I can hear you. I can hear you, Nate. You're like, oh, my white balance is off. <laughs> oh, I need to do color correction. You no, know I don't talk like that. <laughs> oh. I have a deep, strong voice. It's true. Regardless of what the podcasting equipment <laughs> says. No, you guys, it was awesome. It's so, it's so beautiful to see. Like when Nate told me, like, hey, I'm going with my brother, you know, my priest brother. It's awesome. And then he said, yeah, my dad was coming down. I was just, like, so pumped that you guys all get to hang out. And I don't even know my dad's name. Uh, it's <laughs> no, just, I'm just kidding. But, like, it's awesome that you guys have these experiences. Um, who initiated it? Uh, I did. Nice. It was actually perfect because I saw that I saw, it was last summer. You have to buy these a year in advance. And uh, I texted my dad and my brother. I said, hey, should we go? And I really wanted to go, and I, I was willing to pay the price. But when you invite your dad to something, there's always bum, that possibility. Bum. Drop the bag. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, we were. He he uh, he was like, you know, guys, let, let me buy the tickets. Well, actually, he had lost the NCAA tournament pool that we do the three of us. He had <laughs> lost it like two years in a row and never paid up. And so that's true too. And I owed beers. He from thought the it was. One. He thought it was generosity. In fact, it was like, dang it. Awesome weekend. Awesome you know weekend. what they say? They say a Hoffman always pays his debts. They always. That's say what they that. say. They always say even that if it's an eighteen dollar beer, I did buy two uh, two eighteen dollar beers. Worth it, worth it. <laughs> That's what we should do here at the church. Have a golf tournament, charge eighteen dollar beers in the name of Deacon Mike Mims' uh, beautiful memorial golf hey, tournament. I think up, it'd be awesome. Coming up, got a guy, got a turn, got a course. Ooh, we're where, where's it going to be? Where's it going to be? Make the announcement. Do it for our folks. Uh, who it's listen. it's uh, I think Lake Augusta or Augusta Pines or something like that. Augusta <laughs> National. Augusta <laughs> National is that? It? Oh yeah, sounds nice. No. Drew, thanks for coming on the podcast. Anything else you need to plug? Yeah, I have two podcasts. It's no. What's the point of going on someone else's podcast if you don't plug your own podcast? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Okay, yeah. What do you I mean, What do you talk about? You yeah. talk about Pokemon, or what is it that you have? I have a podcast with Father Gail Hammersmith, who's my who was my old boss at K State, and we're the chaplains at K State and Wichita State, talking about college ministry, campus center stuff, our experiences, particularly through the lens of priesthood on college campuses. Cons a Catholic, and then about four. What is it called? Kanza Catholic. Kanza is where Kanza. the name Kansas comes from, from our Native American. Yeah, but yeah, so there's a there's a hills in Kansas called the, you know, uh, the Kanza Prairie. It's beautiful country, but this is also why people, no one outside of Kansas is ever going to get on board because you, you, the name. It's, I'm not trying like, to be a national podcast here. This is for people. In but the that's world. where that sweet, sweet Casper mattress money's from, <laughs> right? You gotta be a national podcast. Is Simply Safe gonna come on board to a Kansas podcast? No, but we have one podcast. sponsor and it's a beef jerky store in Liebenthal, Kansas. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, Con's a Catholic and what else do you do? About four o'clock, which I, I do think that one is one that is is more useful for the general public in the sense that it's myself and the two other vocation directors for the Dice's Witch Shop, so I'm an assistant the other assistant vocation director and then the full-time vocation director have a podcast called About 4 O'Clock on discernment for anyone, but particularly for men discerning the priesthood. And so a variety of topics that we found helpful to discuss, questions that we just keep getting asked a lot about when to join, celibacy, obedience, consolation, desolation, those types of things. So we just thought we'd talk about them on a pod of three priests who love being priests. 
and through their discernment journey and things like that. So cool. That's awesome. Oh, where, well, can, where can people follow you? Where can people follow you? You're on the Twitters? No way does he have a Twitter. I don't have any social media. Good. Good for you. Yeah. You're wise and noble. And yet you take videos of Tiger Woods. <laughs> <playing golf. laughs> Just be there. He's two inches from you staring at a little screen. Oh, my He's gosh. If I, had taken, if I had taken that video, I'd sure. still be resting. I'd be in the consolation of the experience of Tiger Woods. <laughs> you would have levitated. In my presence. Well, you'll never know. Well, you'll it, never know. This Love was this was fun, guys. I miss you guys. I've never met you, Mike Gormley. Have we met? We did at his wedding. At his wedding, but it's okay. fine. It's fine. I was at a I conference mean, that you spoke at one time. Where was Springville? Springfield. Yeah, I'll be I'll be back this summer. Oh, I won't. Ugh. I'm in college ministry now. Ugh, man, deflated instantly. Thank you for that. What was the name of the conference? The Steubenville St. Louis. What was that named after? What? Steubenville conferences? Do they have college, a college? Franciscan University of Steubenville. Uh, Steubenville we, we've Ohio. lost all Dang of our it. teamwork. Ah, yeah. cool. the, the, that's really cool. The podcast is coming to a screeching halt. <laughs> it's been good. Uh, awesome. Thank you for uh, carving out on your day off some time to chit chat with uh, the youngsters like us. Yeah, us just young, young hip. Us two young fellas. These young hip guys. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, pray for me, please. If you're listening, pray for my students, particularly at summer break. They're doing a lot of cool stuff. Pray for St. Paul. Much appreciated. All right, we'll do. We'll do. All right, adios. See ya.